Welcome back to episode 41, proudly brought to you by Rome Energy. In this episode, I catch up with Jaden Kuypers, professional triathlete who was diagnosed with Crohn's disease as a child. I really enjoyed talking to Jaden and his experience in elite sport and moving into the professional scene, but also his openness in talking around inflammatory bowel disease, especially as New Zealand has one of the highest rates in the world. It was a privilege to have Jaden's time, and we hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the Nourish Your Potential podcast. My name is Kushla Holdaway, and I'm a registered and accredited sports dietitian based in beautiful New Zealand. I am so glad you have joined me on this podcast, where we will discuss science, sports nutrition, running and physiology alongside interviews with athletes, experts and other health professionals. Whether you're listening to this podcast during your commute, your training session or whilst cooking up a storm in the kitchen, you can be reassured information is discussed in a thought-provoking, evidence-based and easy-to-understand manner so that you have more tools in your nutrition toolbox to be your best self. How are you, Jaden? I'm doing very well. How are you? Yeah, really well, thanks. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yes, that was exciting. Yeah. It's quite cool. I've listened to a few episodes of yours and there's some quite good information in there. So it's exciting just to chat to, you know, someone who's got a wealth of knowledge and kind of also share my side of the story as well. So, Jaden, starting with who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so I'm 23 years old. I'm relatively new to triathlon, which is now my sport and pretty much now my my daily life. Um, this year, I've kind of I've um, taken the next step and gone into the professional um, triathlon ranks. And um, over the past two three months, I've kind of decided to give the summer a really good um, really good shot with the racing and I've just kind of gone a bit more full-time than I usually have over the past um, two or three years. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm doing now and just going up through my teenage years, I've always been into yeah, football. I was a cyclist for about six six years previous um, and I think also why we're talking as well is um, I currently am um, challenged with Crohn's disease on throughout my daily life, which has its setbacks and its challenges, but, um, you know, we're on top of things with my support team around me and my doctors and, yeah, everything's in the right direction at the moment. Yeah, it'll be really fascinating to talk to you a little bit more about that um, because I it's I think there's more awareness around inflammatory bowel disease now, but certainly something that we need to talk about a little bit more um, because the rates of it are definitely increasing. Um, yeah, so rewinding a little bit with the sporting side of things for you, uh, sounds like you've always been very active in your life. What made you really decide that you wanted to give triathlon a crack? Do you think it came from your passion of cycling? Uh, a little bit, for sure. Um, my mum was always into triathlon growing up, but I was pretty... I loved cycling um, throughout my teenage years. I went to Europe and I competed in Europe for about three months. Um, and since coming back, it just didn't quite feel the same um, as to kind of the racing and the whole atmosphere in Europe. You just don't get there in New Zealand. Um, so I kind of fell out of love a little bit with the sport. Uh, I, I then started going to the gym putting a little bit of muscle mass on and just running for fun but when I was running back then it was run hard every single day for as long as you can you know there wasn't much I didn't know anything about running or how to properly structure a running week um so I very very quickly got injured and I went to my coach who was a triathlete coach and he jumped me put me into his backyard infinity pool he's got a really cool um, infinity pool which the current 
um, pushes you back whilst you swim into it. So I did a bit of running in there as it had a treadmill in, in the pool um, just to keep me going and keep me exercising. Um, and then one day he said, oh, why don't you swim? And I said, oh, but I've never swum before. And he goes, oh, it's, it's pretty easy. This is what you've got to do. And he kind of, he, he taught me from scratch. Um, so that was a really cool challenge. And I love the whole challenge of learning a new sport, learning learning something different. Um, and then I kind of fell into the routine of swimming and running every day. And then I soon found my love for cycling again. And it kind of all just fell into place fairly, fairly quickly. And I stopped going to the gym and I started you know, increasing my cardio quite a bit more. And um, I just had a whole lot of fun. And I, I think that's kind of what's driven me since going to triathlon is it, I'm doing it for the pure enjoyment of um, the challenge and seeing where I can get to rather than having to try and make it. If It's it's a whole different mental perspective and, and from, from where I'm coming from. Um, yeah, so I just love it. Yeah. So how long ago did you learn to swim? Uh, about three and a half years ago. This is about, yeah, coming up to four years um, in in January. Yeah. Yeah, right. And the coach but, who got you in that pool uh, initially, is that the same coach you have now? Uh, different coach. Yeah. Um, so over the past two months, I've moved cities a little bit. So I'm currently based in Wellington. Um and I've got, um, I've joined, I really wanted to progress my swimming as I didn't come from a screen breakdown. So I joined a, um, a junior competitive squad and there are a bunch of teenagers who can swim really, really fast. And um, I've gained a lot of progress. So he's, he's my swim coach. And then in terms of running and cycling, uh, I'm just doing it all myself and balancing it um, for my own knowledge over the past few years. Yeah, cool. Who is your coach? Um, my swim coach is Steve Francis. Yeah. He's um, a renowned swimmer yeah. in the in the swimming community, and he's also into um, Ironman um, triathlon as well. So he kind of understands the the discipline that that I'm kind of yeah doing. Because it's so skill based swimming, isn't it? Not that I'm much of a swimmer, but that's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, it's it's skill based, and it's you don't necessarily like have to be super fit. Like, I think I'm quite a bit fitter than some of these these young youngsters, but they're still swimming much, much, much quicker. And it's just they've done it for so long and it's it's a it's a sport unfortunately where you've just got to put time and time and time and time into it. Mm. Um, so it's slowly getting there, but I've still got a long, long way to get to the top. And naturally, because I guess it's the newest edition of the disciplines for you, would you say it's also the weakest link? For sure, the weakest. Um, all the guys who are strong at swimming and triathlon, they've, they've been doing it for such a long time since, if not, they were competitive swimmers when they were young. So they naturally know how to swim pretty well and they don't have to put as much time into it. Um, but again, like I love the challenge of trying to better myself every week. Um, I've even joined some of their swim camps where they're swimming 70, 80K a week. and. Oh, wow. It's quite challenging, but it's what I need and that's what I love. Yeah, cool. Good on you. And what's in the pipeline in terms of your training at the moment with events and, yeah, what's ahead? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's been a pretty cold winter. Um, so I've just been keeping myself busy. I did a half marathon in June, which I was pretty happy with. Um, so my running's progressed really well. And the second half of winter was progressing my swimming, um, which again has, has just, taking a few steps forward um, in prep for a good summer season in New Zealand. So looking for Taupo in December, um, the 70.3, um, Tauranga, Mount Tauranga, um, well, Mount Monganui, and potentially Wanaka, and then looking at potentially going to my first full distance in March, um, all things going well. Um, and then an exciting race I've got in the next month is I'm heading to Malaysia for Asia Pacific Champs in the 70.3 world. So I've got that coming down to my last few weeks of training, which is 
you know, I'm starting to get amped and starting to get the jitters for it, which is quite exciting. Yeah, right. Quite, quite the lead up of events then. Um, so yeah. you've never done full Ironman, but giving it a crack in March. Yeah, that's the plan. It's um, just the way my progression's going. I've been feeling getting that consistency in, um, and I'm almost feel like I'm ready to give a full distance a crack. And um, I think there's no better place to do it than in Taupo. Um, that's a pretty good course. I've done the seventy point three multiple times there, um, so I know the course well, and I think that's an advantage going into your full, uh, my first one. Um, yeah, if training keeps going well, I'll definitely target it. Um, but I'm not too worried if um, I'll set that back a few months or even another year or two. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, nice. Good on you. That's cool. Whole new challenge. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah. With, with training, and especially at such a high level, it, it comes with plenty of challenges too. Like I'm pretty sure a lot of people look at professional athletes and go, wow, imagine just being able to train all day and recover and, you know, living the life. But we know it's not always like that. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the bigger challenges in your professional career, like in terms of injuries or like sickness? Uh, well, that might be a time to actually talk about your Crohn's as well. Kind of to one another. Um, as a triathlete, you're putting so much stress on your body. It's you're always fighting some sort of niggle or something doesn't quite feel right. So the biggest, I'm finding the the best thing is consistency. Um, just making sure you can you can train without that niggle, and that's probably the hardest part is just building in a proper plan um, with proper support. So getting a weekly massage or um, making sure you're maintaining your strength and conditioning. Um, but through winter, especially, you know, there's always colds running around and especially over the past three years, as we know, there's been that, that virus that's gone around. And so it's just really listening to your body and kind of staying positive. Like everyone in this, in this world is going through similar, um, I don't want to say struggles because, um, it's not quite a struggle, but you know, challenges, I guess, um, and I think we're quite lucky to be able to do something that we enjoy as well. So it's kind of just looking at the positive side of things is, hey, you know, it's sometimes it's okay to let your body recover. Um, and if you are sick and you are injured, it's often a sign that your body does need to recover. So it's um, just listening to your body. Um, and then combining that with Crohn's as well, it's kind of like another um, layer to the onion, I guess, is when I am sick, it does take me longer or if I do have a crash my wounds take longer to heal. Um, my immune system is always compromised as well. So I often need a little bit more sleep. Um, I need to keep up, you know, a, a more well-rounded diet, I guess, as well, and just be a bit more cautious about kind of the energy expenditure that I'm putting out because um, it doesn't take much for me to get sick. Mm-hmm. With having Crohn's, when were you diagnosed? Seven or 12. Okay. Um, and it took it took a while for them to diagnose it. I think you touched on the point of um, IBD in general is getting more awareness these days um, and people are a lot more conscious about it. But, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they didn't – it was still kind of surfacing of what this actually is, and it still is to an extent – so it took a few years of symptoms, really. We've got, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, you know. You, maybe it's just a phase in your life that you're going through and you'll get through it and test after test, year after year. They had no idea. And finally, um, you know, one result came back saying, oh, I think, I think we found some Crohn's. And that's kind of just identified, you know, of, of what I need to do, essentially. So it, was, it wasn't easy. Mm. Um, yeah. How many years was it for you from when your symptoms first started to when you were actually diagnosed with Crohn's? Um, I think from what I can remember, probably myself, when they started getting quite serious, it was probably about two years of fairly serious symptoms. Um, but from what I hear, mum's um, always been going on about, you know, I wasn't always happy with my food and I was quite, you know, always immune compromised when I was quite young as well. So... Mm-hmm. It's it has kind of been out throughout my life, but two to three years before I was diagnosed, it probably really started to get quite quite serious. Mm. Um, and we knew something wasn't right. 
essentially. Yeah, mm. yeah. So with the Crohn's, for those listening, do you want to maybe explain a little bit about what it is? Yeah, so it's um, IBD, which is inflammatory bowel disease, um, and Crohn's specifically um, is inflammation um, throughout your whole gastrointestinal tract, so pretty much from the, you know, the top of my throat, stomach, all throughout my intestines, right through to my bowel. Um, the inflammation, you just, your body's always compromised, your body's or your immune system's always fighting, um, and you often don't absorb nutrients um, as well. Um, just your energy is going into different areas. So, you know, you get ulcers in your stomach and your intestines and stuff like that, um, which can lead to quite painful, um, you know, used to lead to quite painful nights. Um, yeah. So how, how do you manage that in your day-to-day life in terms of, like, do you have to take medication or do you just manage it through diet and lifestyle? What does that look like? Yeah, lifestyle is a big factor. I think I'm quite lucky to be able to, that I quite love an active lifestyle and it definitely helps. Um, medications, I'm going to go on medications, unfortunately, for the rest of my life. Um, my most recent test in end of last year, said I was in deep remission, um, but I think that's quite a broad term. Um, you know, I still have the occasional flare-up. Um, and when I'm on medication, I feel quite good, and I'm like, oh, I don't need to take my medication anymore. Like, why do I have to keep taking it? And then, you know, I, I'm i not as regimented, and I forget take it, to forget to take my medication. Um, and then three or four weeks later, I don't feel quite as good. My stomach's a bit more upstairs. I'm I'm on the toilet a little bit more than I kind of was, and I go, oh, what's going on? And it's, oh, the medication that I haven't been taking. Mm. Um, so, it's, yeah, unfortunately, it's just, I just have to, yeah, yeah. just look after myself, essentially. Mm. Yeah. And have you noticed any patterns, like when you're, say, more stressed in life or you've got a really big training load, is there often a higher chance of you then having like a flare-up or is there not really a connection for you? Yep, yep. Um, they found that stress has been a, a massive connection to flare-ups in um, IBD. Um, not just physical stress of training as well, but also just... Um, you know, mental stress as well. Um, going back through to my schooling years at the time, you know, exams were such a big thing. Um, and going into exam season where, you know, as, as, as in your schooling life, it's quite a big thing and always seem to get flare-ups and always seem to lack energy and always get sore stomachs and just your usual symptoms with Crohn's always around that time of the year. Mm. Um so it's, it's it's definitely, yeah, you've definitely just got to not look at it from a physical perspective, but also like what else is going on in your life as well um, that you might have a flare-up to. Have you ever had flare-ups recently, like right before a race? Um, well, I can't think of a specific time. Um, generally not right before a race, I think. I'm on top of things now and I understand my body a lot more than I did um, a few years ago. And generally coming into a race, you're freshening up a little bit through through your taper. So right before a race, I wouldn't say so. Um, and I often perform quite well during racing um, if I prepare for it properly. But I just had a a swim camp um, earlier, as I mentioned before, um, where I was, I think I did about 25 hours of swimming. And then on top of that, did, you know, another 10, 15 hours of running and biking. And although I felt quite good at the end of the week, um, the weeks following, I definitely noticed a little bit of a flare up in terms of kind of my symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's just natural as well. Um, it's a different stressor to my body. Is, um, so it's just understanding and having to recover a little bit more than potentially someone else might. Mm, mm. Is 
there anything you do differently with nutrition to help manage Crohn's or would you say it's just you basically just do as you would anyway? Uh, yes, we, we've kind of figured out what kind of flares um, my stomach up um, and often too much gluten, too much dairy uh, can lead to unsettled stom- stomach issues. So I was pretty much dairy-free dairy free since being diagnosed for quite a majority of my teenage years. I went to Europe and funnily enough, I don't know if it's the way they make it or the wheat they use over in Europe, um, I could maintain a lot more gluten. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so when I came back to New Zealand, my body seemed to able seemed to be able to kind of yeah, take on a lot more gluten than it would previously. Mm. Um, dairy's always been an issue and it always will be, so I tend to not have much dairy in my diet at all. Um, over the past month as well, my partner uh, and I just noticed that we'd started having too much gluten and just funny stomachs, um, including herself as well. So we've just kind of almost challenged ourselves to a month, no gluten, no dairy, um, She's also vegetarian, so I've gone vegetarian for a month just to see kind of, you know, how I would feel um, and how my stomach would, you know, kind of feel from that as well. And it's been quite a positive result. And it's kind of made me realise, oh, actually, I do feel quite good not being on gluten. Um, But I'm not super strict about it as well. I do quite enjoy a nice treat after a long training session as well. So... Yeah, it's just being mindful, I guess, of not having too much. Mm, mm. It is interesting with IBD. Um, like, there's not really any hard and fast advice around what you should include or should avoid from a nutrition mm. perspective, but it is often very individual and people find that they can tolerate some things better than others. And it's just always interesting to yeah hear what each individual has to say about that. Mm. Yeah, totally. Um, IBD or Crohn's is is genetically transferred. So um, my mum has Crohn's as well. Uh. And she was actually diagnosed after I was diagnosed, even though she'd been having problems all through her life as well. Um, and, and totally to that point is, yes, I think dairy and gluten in too, me- too much quantity can affect both of us. But there's also specific foods that will affect mum and just won't affect me at all and vice versa. So it's... Unfortunately, there's no rule book of saying, oh, don't eat this because this is going to make it worse because it's different for everyone. Mm. And nutrition's never black and white, is it? (laughs) No, no, No. it's it's not. No, no. Cool. And from a general nutrient perspective, because it can be challenging, especially when you have flare-ups in terms of the absorption of some of those key minerals and things, have you ever struggled in terms of like iron as an example or anything like that? Yep. Iron's, iron's a massive one for me. Um, it, I'm always going to be on the lower spectrum of things. Um, so it's just, again, it's just making sure your body's topped up. Um, I've never had to have an iron infusion, luckily, and I think that's through just maintaining a pretty well-varied diet and focusing on those, high, those foods with high iron in them. So you... you red meats as well does have quite a lot of iron in it so just focusing on making sure i have mm. that in my diet and then obviously your your dark greens as well um being you know vegetarian for the past month as well i haven't really noticed a drop off in um, energy which is a good thing as well but i do take um you know multivitamins as well so you know I have to take some things, otherwise I do I do notice it after a few weeks. Yeah. Fun fact, randomly about iron, the one of the most richest sources is seafood mussels. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh not a not a fan of seafood, so unfortunately that's not gonna come into my diet anytime soon. No, I'm not a fan of mussels myself either, but um yeah, if anyone else is, there you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think in general like a lot of people don't get enough iron in their diet, so um, I think it's so vital to have as well. So, 
There yeah. you go. Especially when you're active or running a lot, and even more so if you're a female, it's really hard to get your iron in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and, and just for, uh, from what I understand, just generally it's harder to absorb iron full stop, right? So is that... Yeah, it's interesting. When your body's like lower in iron, it upregulates to absorb more. And when your iron status is good or quite high, your body downregulates how much it absorbs. So it's quite clever. Um, but generally, you absorb more from your animal-based sources of iron and much less from plant-based sources. It's just much less bioavailable. Yeah, so, you know, everyone says spinach is a good source, but really you'd have to eat so much spinach to even be the same as like a steak, you know, so... Mm-mm. Yeah. Cool. Um, would, you, would you just just for a lot of the listeners? Would you have any tips if you are looking at being vegetarian, or if you are vegetarian, how to increase your iron levels? Because I know it can be quite tough for some people who aren't having your your red meats, which are super high in iron. Um, what are some other alternatives? Hmm. Um. Iron is in small amounts in a lot of different foods. In your plant foods, what springs to mind is things like your lentils, baked beans, cannellini beans, those kind of things have a little bit. Um, yeah, pulses. There is some in like your green leafy veggies, but again, you, you have to eat a lot. And there's also um, factors within those foods that inhibit the absorption a little bit as well. So it's it's a little bit tricky. Generally, I would say if someone has really high needs for iron and they're vegetarian, it's a, it's very challenging, um, and you'd you'd almost have to consider supplementing with with an iron supplement to maintain levels, especially if you're at the lower end or dropping. It, it's challenging. With your race day nutrition, what? How do you? What's your go to like in terms of how you plan it or your regime? Are you quite like, do you do the same thing every race or are you still at a point where you're experimenting with different products and amounts? Uh, yeah, it's... With us. Um, I know what to do. Whether we're in the racing mindset, um, you know, things can change quite quickly, you know, you drop a bottle and you've got to grab a bottle on the side of the course or um, in Wanaka, I, I either dropped a gel or I forgot the gel or something like this and they had um, a specific gel brand on course that I know my stomach doesn't work with because um, it's quite high in natural fructose um, and high fructose, I know for myself, will upset my stomach. Um, but I had no other option at the time, so I was like, ah, oh, you know, I've been, I've been good recently, it's not going to affect me, and yeah, albeit 20, 15, 20 minutes down the line, I was walking because of my stomach cramps, and I, I've just got to be quite strict on having what my body knows um, so I don't get an upset stomach, um, but I like to think I've got it pretty well down diet at the moment as well, so no, nothing really changes. It's just hitting, making sure I hit that, that quantity of carbs um, throughout the race and just maintaining good hydration as well. Mm. Do you have specific mm. targets you shoot for and what products do you use? Yeah, um, I, ooh, I use a very... I currently use, like to use Morton during racing. Um, I think it's pretty easy and it's on the stomach it's also there's not a lot of flavor in it which is quite nice as well when you're racing um in terms of drinks as well i quite like to make my own my own little sports drink which is just a ratio of sugar and glucose with a bit of salt and um, and lemon essentially um there's not too many ingredients to it, so I know my stomach seem, seems to be pretty happy on it. Um, so I just stick to those. I also make my own muesli bars as well for training, and I quite like to have them when racing as well. Often I'm fine for energy, but I get hung, like I, 
it's not quite hungry, but my, my stomach feels a bit empty, so I've just got to have a bit of solid as well, so just to kind of, you know, keep me a little bit more full, I guess, and yeah, pretty much, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not, too, not too tricky, so yeah. And I know what you mean, when you rely too much on, I guess, just those those sports products, say like your sports drink and, and gels, yes, you, you might be hitting like your carb target, but I know what you mean, your stomach can feel empty and you just need something a bit more solid sometimes, like a bar or, a, yeah, whole food. And I don't know if it's just like even literally a bite or two. I won't even have my whole bar, but it's just something to chew on that's solid and it just kind of keeps my stomach a bit more, oh, cool, there's actual food, not just, you know, liquid carbs in my stomach sitting there. Yeah. Yeah, what's your go-to race day, Bricky? Wow, well, uh, what varies. It used to be I make some pretty awesome protein pancakes, um, which has you know quite a bit of carb in it as well and high in protein to keep me full through the race. Um, but recently, I've been just been having um, just a bit of a bit of rice um, with just a protein source as well. Um, nothing too heavy. Um, with a bit of peanut butter, a bit of jam. Yeah, just yeah. keep it simple. Nothing too tricky for your stomach to, you know, freak out on, I guess. Yeah, simple is definitely best. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Yes. Nice. And a little bit more on Rome Energy, who basically arranged this podcast, which is really cool. Um, you have recently gotten on board with Rome. <laughs> And um, yeah. I guess they're, they're a brand that is plant-based, so they're quite um, fitting for a lot of people with different allergies. And as you said, you're trying to limit your dairy and gluten. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about um, Rome Energy and the products you use and, yeah, what, what that looks like? Yeah, so they came to me as I moved to Wellington a few months ago and it was kind of perfect timing of kind of taking on or going more full-time athlete um, so I could focus a little bit more on kind of that preparation side of thing of proper nutrition and proper recovery and it was kind of happenstance that was quite cool um, and they were just kind of that they're, they're an adventure brand um, that they just love getting out there I love the whole ethos behind it but they're also taking a different spin on the nutrition you should take on board um, especially for training long distance as well, where, you know, predominantly our, our source um, for energy is fats. Um, and yes, we do need carbs for sustained um, exercise, but you can also use um, fats as well. So they've got nut butters as well, which I have now loved to take while I train. Um, and work really well when I swim and run and go for a bike ride and don't sit on my stomach. Um, and then obviously protein. Protein's a massive factor um, when you're training and exercise, and even when you're not. And it can be quite hard to get all your protein um, just through food. Mm. Um, so it's such an easy and tasty way just to, you know, add extra protein into your diet. Mm. Um so, yeah, I being plant-based as well, um, I know that whey um, protein can upset my stomach. Um, so I tend to stay away from whey proteins. Um, so being plant-based, um, it was kind of a, just a no-brainer to jump on board and kind of work with them. And it's such a cool team. Um, got amazing products, um, tasty products as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's going really well. And really important as a high-level athlete. I mean, they have some of New Zealand's top athletes on board that they um, mm. are, is it HESTA certified as well. So the products are tested. Yep. Yeah. Yep, which is super important. We don't, you know, we don't want to go to a race and get tested and then, you know, find out that it's a product that we've been taking for a while and we didn't even know. So it's there's a bit of reassurance there as well to say, you know, it's, it's clean as well, which goes goes quite a long way so important yeah do you think with like the i guess drug-free sport and things do you think in new zealand there's enough testing or do you think it could be better oh, good question. Um, i'll tell you there could be more testing i think there's in recent news in the triathlon world it's been quite a major topic 
Um, albeit I haven't been in the professional ranks for a, a super long time, so I don't know the schedule. Um, but from what I hear, you know, there's usually only one or two that's tested out of the out of the the pool. Whereas I'd be happy for everyone to be tested. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I know what goes in, and you know, I know I know what I'm putting into myself, and I don't see why we shouldn't be tested at every major race. Mm. Um, I've got nothing to hide, and I'm sure all of our competitors have nothing to hide too. Yeah. So if you're on whereabouts, um, no matter what sport, um, we've all got whereabouts as well. I'm not on whereabouts, um, which is when they can come and test you at any point throughout your day. Um, mm. It definitely is an our support, and I think it's such a great thing to have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, and with, with your everyday nutrition, I mean, you mentioned a little bit about what you're doing at the moment, but has there been anything you've learned or altered in the last couple of years that you feel has been like a bit of a game changer for you, like like a small tweak or a significant change? No, I, I'd like to say keep my diet very well-rounded. Um, I'm not a picky eater. I love all food, which is fantastic, apart from seafood, as I mentioned before. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, and I, I try not to stick to the same food every day. Um, you know, it keeps it exciting as well, and it also keeps it less strict. Um, you know, if, you, if you're going into every day knowing that you've got to have this and you've got to have this, it's, it just gets a bit monotonous and it takes... I guess it just takes the the fun out of food, um, and I think that's where it can lead to problems as well. Um, my only targets is just making sure that I'm full um, and I have enough protein. Really, um, other than that, it's just you know what you're putting in is what you're going to get out of training, right? And you know, there's no point just eating. I don't want to say eating pizza because I love pizza, but you know, eating eating lots of junk food as they say um, you know you're just not kind of train well mm-hmm. how would you say your relationship with food's been through your life like growing up and then getting into professional sport um, I, I, I love food I love cooking um, um, I'm, I'm from the people that I've lived with and my flats and family I'm I'm, I'm kind of the one just to try a bunch of different random combos, see what's in the fridge and put together a dish sort of thing. So I'm not afraid to try new things. Um, um, and I think I'm quite lucky in a way that being training so much and burning, burning so much energy, I can almost eat as much as I want. And, <laughs> you know, it's almost hard to get lots and lots of food in. Um, but I think it's, I see it as quite a positive thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's important to love food and enjoy it. Um, and yeah. I, yeah. Like, I'm sure I, it's challenging too in terms of like, you know, like you said, you can't just go and eat a whole heap of dairy or gluten, but of what you can have, yeah, enjoying that food's important. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, as I said, we've been doing gluten-free and dairy-free the past past month as well. And it's to me it's almost like a challenge of, like, oh, you know, instead of having – uh, a sandwich for lunch or, you know, going out and eating a nice croissant or a nice treat after training. is it's, it's been quite cool to see, oh, what, what else can I make that can satisfy those needs of, you know, something sweet or having a sandwich? You know, what else can I make that will get the same, you know, fulfilment out of it? Mm. Um, so try new things as well, which is awesome. I think I would find it really hard to be dairy-free and giving up my love of Whitakers, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've gone to dark chocolate, which I do love dark chocolate. Um, it's just not the same. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not the same when, um, you yeah, know, when my, when my partner's eating a nice creamy hazella um, Whitakers chocolate piece, it's all just like, oh, it's just not the same. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've learnt to make, you know, other little treats and stuff that's been super tasty as well. So, um, yeah, and that helps me through. The range of products available on the market now, like with dairy-free and gluten-free, is incredible. Like compared to 10 years ago where it was pretty average, 
um, it's not that hard to, to do that now? No, it's super easy. Like pasta is, you know, we love pasta. Um, and there's lentil pasta these days and there's sorghum pasta that we had last night. Um, um, yeah, there's so, edamame pasta sort of thing. Um, and that's not just for pasta. There's, you know, your meat alternatives as well and... Um, not that I rely on those, but there is an option out for everyone just about nowadays, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, like yogurt, I love yogurt, um, but, you know, coconut yogurt as well, which is super tasty too. Mm, it is tasty, yeah. And those pulse pastas, I mean, they're amazing for protein, plant-based protein and fibre, so it's a win-win. Mm. Yeah, it's super high. Like, yeah, I almost prefer it now to, to standard pasta. Yeah. Um, the only the interesting thing was I went. Um, I was out training for six hours on a bike the other day and had to stop at the dairy to to fuel up, get some water, and a quick bite. And it was actually still super hard to find something that fitted, you know, all of those you're vegan, you know, gluten free and dairy free as well. It was it was challenging. Mm. But I, I found I found some fruit puree lollies that seem to do the trick Mm. (laughs) yeah my husband's celiac and i think the most challenging thing with gluten-free is the convenience factor like you can't just Mm. stop somewhere and grab a nice gluten-free sandwich or anything like that it's usually like quite rubbish food so you definitely have to be a little bit more organized yeah yeah i said this exactly in the weekend as well i went to taupo um and you you, unless you're stopping at a supermarket, there's not many places to stop for a quick bite because it's all got gluten in it. And if it doesn't have gluten in it, it's got milk in it. Or if it doesn't have milk on it, it's you know it's it's got something in it. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And just lastly, in terms of like your training and your motivation, I mean, you've already said how much you just purely love triathlon as a sport. But we know not every day is sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> so when you're, yeah. you're having a day where you're just, you know, lacking the motivation, the weather's crap, like what does, what gives you that get up and go? Honestly, like almost my love for the sport, I've since falling out of love for cycling a few years ago and starting or beginning triathlon, I've always said to myself, you know, I don't want to end up in the same, you know, monotonous routine of, of training um, every day. So my whole mentality has changed to I'm not training anymore, I'm swimming, I'm biking, I'm running. It's a minor it's a minor mentality change, but it makes a massive difference. And I've always said the day I, I'm not enjoying swimming, biking or running is the day I'm going to sit, put my legs up and reset. Um, I, I, at, at the moment, I don't, I don't see there's much benefit in pushing through that that struggling I you know pushing through that struggle of oh, I've got to get up yes there are some days where you're getting up at five o'clock in the morning for a 6k swim and it's quite tough after a long training day that beforehand but it's motivation still there um, more than even though you might not feel it um, so yeah if that kind of answers answers the question a little bit yeah. the dedication fueled by the love of it yeah yeah, um, yeah. With with the cycling and falling out of love with it, do you think it was because, it, like, you really enjoyed, say, the scene over in Europe and then coming back to New Zealand, it felt like a real, I, I don't know, like, it was a bit flat? Or do you think it was because it was just the single discipline, you just got so sick of doing the same thing? What do you think it was? Yeah, it was a benefit of, of I'd say, three things. It was coming back from Europe you know the scenery um the the racing experience you get you can race two or three times a day every day of the week if you want to um and then coming back to New Zealand where there isn't much racing going on or high level racing um on top of that you know you're on your bike every day as well it's it's the same exercise every single day whereas now triathlon I can almost pick out of three sports um, plus more if I wanted to for cross training um, and then also at the time as well I knew where I needed to be um, to get to the next level and I was struggling with a bit of a flare-up um, where I wasn't 
feeling that well and I wasn't performing well. So it was a combination of all three that kind of just, you know, just, yeah, just kind of fell out of love with it. Were you cycling with a team over there? Um, yep, I was cycling for a Belgian team. Okay. Um, with a fellow Kiwi as well, yeah. which is quite cool. It's quite yeah. fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And for anyone listening who may be suffering from IBD, is there any helpful advice or, or things you wish you knew when you were first diagnosed that you think they would benefit from? Like whether it's resources or people to follow or what would be helpful? Yeah. Um, the Crohn's and colitis, um, they have an amazing community as well. I was never part of their camps um, when I was younger, but they they put on amazing camps um, for people with Crohn's and colitis. Um, you get to meet a, a wide community and they really help you through what you're going through. I think it was quite tough to, when you're quite young, to, to feel off every single day and you don't exactly know why you're feeling off, um, you know, why you're lacking energy, why you don't feel yourself. Um, and, and it can just be as simple as understanding, you know, what's actually going on in your body and just looking after yourself as well, like keeping active, um, having favourite hobbies to do, um, you know, to kind of keep you going. Um, and then also as mum always keeps saying to me, it's – it's what you put into your body through diet as well that is what you're going to get out. And as I said, you don't have to be super strict. It's just making sure that you're getting enough of everything and not overdoing one, you know, one food source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of what really, like, is probably some of the worst things for IBD is, like, smoking. <laughs> and um alcohol as well but uh definitely having a good look at all those uh lifestyle and dietary factors too and and knowing that it's individual for everyone in terms of what what's beneficial and maybe what's a little bit more triggering or um yeah yeah totally as i said there's no rule book as well so it's just working with either your doctor or your support team around you to see what works for you and what doesn't work for you and you know, it's, it's not a quick process of going one day you say, oh, this doesn't work for me because often it's been, often it's, you know, a condition that takes a while for you for things to flare up as well. So like I said before, my medication, if I don't take my medication for three weeks, I'll feel fine for three weeks. But after three or four weeks is when I start to go, oh, actually something's not quite right. I haven't taken my medication for a month yeah. and it takes another month for the medication to start kicking in. So it's, it's not a quick change, but just really listening to your body, you know, you, you're going to make a lot of progress. Mm-hmm. Is it just a single medication you're on? Uh, no, I'm on two. I'm on a medication that coats, coats or protects my, my stomach, uh, my stomach lining. And then I'm also on a medication that, um, also dampens my immune system, which sounds counterintuitive, but it teaches my immune system not to attack my own body. Um, so I've just got to be extra cautious about what's going around and, you know, even the sun. I think vitamin D is quite important, but having too much sun can also, you know, have adverse effects on myself as well. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Do, do you think you are, like, compared to... Um, people who aren't on the medication, do you think you would be quite a lot more vulnerable to just colds and viruses and things going around? Um, yes, yeah. for sure. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the medication I am taking, it, it does dampen my immune system, um, but I'm quite, yeah, I'm quite lucky. I wouldn't say lucky because I put a lot of work into it to, um, to make sure that I am healthy. And I think that goes a massive long way as well to, to staying healthy as well and not catching those flus. And when I do catch them, um, I can recover fairly quickly from them. Mm. Yeah, cool. Um, I would say one thing as well, if you are um, working through IBD as well, I've always, or especially when I was younger as well, I've always kept a bit of a notebook as well. Um, And just so you can see trends throughout um, your weeks as well, because as I said, it's not one day that, 
upsets you. It's often over a period of time. So you can often look through trends of going, oh, actually, you know, I have actually added this a bit more into my diet. Maybe this is upsetting me a bit more or, you know, the general stress of exams. Oh, actually, it's exam season at the moment. Um, I am quite stressed. I need to find ways to manage that stress level and stuff as well or, you know, counter it with um, an alternative. That's really good advice, actually. Yeah. And I think, especially when you're going to see a specialist or someone too, if you have this log of all sorts of information, it's really helpful for the health professional. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And I've I've been super lucky as well. I've had awesome, awesome doctors um, over my years as well. And I've had the same doctor for since I was diagnosed. So he really understands um he understands me now and it's it's fairly comfortable in my support crew as well that they know what I'm going through and you know it's it's not too hard to talk to them yeah cool no it's important great well thank you um I've got a few quick fire five to finish they're pretty random (laughs) um but just a chance for us to get to know you a little bit better and um finish with something light-hearted so what is your go-to coffee order Oh, soy milk, flat white, extra shot. It has to be regular. I don't like too much milk. Yeah. I like, I love, love espresso. Yeah. Nice. And what's um, a minor inconvenience that might occur in your day that takes you from, from zero to 100? Oh, that's a, that's a tough I'd, I'd like to think I'm quite quite relaxed about things. <laughs> not not having coffee beans in the house. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's a panic. <laughs> that's a panic. We've we've now learned to keep an extra bag or two in the cupboard now, just in case. Yeah, emergency. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's a country you really want to explore that you haven't yet? Oh, um, uh, oh, there's there's quite a few. I love traveling. Um, quick fire. It's not super quick. I'd love to go through the Canadian mountains. Um, I might have that on my bucket list for next year, but all things going well. Mm, it does look beautiful over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are you a morning person or night owl? Definitely morning. I'm, I'm asleep by nine, and if I'm not in bed by nine, I'm yawning away, so definitely <laughs> an early morning. Yeah. And if you could only do one discipline of triathlon for the rest of your life, which would it be? Wow. Uh, running I've, I've learned to love running yeah cool awesome well thank you so much Jaden. it's been a pleasure to have you on and yeah really interesting to hear about your IBD journey as well and how you'd manage that in in day-to-day life so thank you um and I really look forward to sharing this with everyone yeah thanks for having me on it's awesome to chat